The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning all, this is Squawkbox. The headlines this hour, the rally rolls on. All three major US indices close at record highs amid renewed trade optimism and a flurry of corporate deal-making. Alibaba shares surge on their Hong Kong debut, delivering a vote of business confidence to the protest-stricken Chinese territory. Top US and Chinese officials discussing a phase one trade deal over the phone this time, raising expectations of an agreement. I haven't said this before in a headline, have I? But data from the CPB shows the volume of global trade contracted sharply in September. And the Fed Chair Jerome Powell signals rates are likely to remain on hold for the time being, with the central bank strongly committed to its 2% inflation target. Uber shares hit the skids after the ride-hailing app has its license revoked in London over safety concerns, but the company says it will appeal the decision. I know, I'm going. Someone's direct. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. But I've just got to look at these headlines again because I want to make sure they're not from yesterday. They're not from two weeks ago. They're not from three months ago. They're not from four months ago. Just want to confirm. Jerome Powell signaling rates on hold. Check. Trade deal optimism on phase one. Check. Markets up on renewed trade optimism and a flurry of corporate deal making. Check. And this is the point. These are the headlines. There is no lies. And these are the right headlines. But the fact of the matter is, you could have painted that rhetoric at any time. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, our glorious leader. How are you? Uh Very well, thank you. I was just going to say, that's the new part. Jeff's back. Welcome back. Well, the the band is back together for a (laughs) rare appearance uh, as we run to the end of the year. A couple of days. Uh, Hopefully a couple of days here. Before you go off on your polls again. And yeah. Yeah, even as you say that, uh, we are through 28,000 on the Dow. Yes, we so are. So there is momentum in these markets at yes, the moment. And what was interesting, I mean, I know you're going to go and do this market wall in a moment. Well, but the they're two that, there. that really stood out for me here is one, that technology was so strong in the overnight session, and the fact that the Russell is back in the game. Yes. Now, what does that actually mean? Is this a flash in the pan, or does it tell us that actually Jay Powell was right? It was a mid-cycle pause, and the small caps are back in business because there is stronger belief that we're heading into the sunny uplands next year of firmer growth. Well, what is the Russell 2000? It is a small cap index where a lot of investors go when they're chasing risk. And we know in markets, investors have moved stock markets a long way, risk assets a long way, on hopes of a phase one trade deal. So do we have a rally that's looking a little bit long in the tooth coming up to Christmas? I better go because I'm in so much trouble already. They had a plan, you know, and I've ripped it up in two seconds. I was so excited about us being back together again. Not for the first time, won't be for the last as well. But that's what they love about this unscripted, dynamic show they call Scorebox. We'll have a podcast later. Now, look, these are record levels across the board. A couple of points, though, that my lovely colleagues didn't raise. One of them is, yes, Karen's right. You chase risk. You chase the more cyclical bias of the Russell 2K. But again, as Jeff alluded to, perhaps the market isn't so paranoid about the interest rate scenario now. Uh, Mr. Powell, who's had so many communication issues uh, previously actually getting what he wants, which is a pause on rates, uh, a mid-cycle recalibration without spooking the heavily cyclical uh, Russell 2K. I think that's very interesting. Sectors that are in record territory, healthcare, month to date is up around about 5%. Technology, also in record territory. Financials, 
This is interesting. Financials closing at their highest level, I think, since the 29th of Jan. But there is one sector that's not enjoying the higher interest rates for longer scenario, and that's real estate, which is actually the big outlier. Month-to-date real estate is down 3.2%. Now, I was a well-known middle-class store yesterday. Just having a little look around, just having a look around, potentially a few Christmas presents maybe, and I saw in there advent calendars galore. And they've got some really fun ones now as well, like hot chocolate advent calendars. They've got tea advent calendars. You can see the kind of life I live as well. I don't do gin advent calendars. That's what the director's looking at. But the point is, it is seasonal. It is Christmas. It is the holiday season. So we're cramming the data into two days before we've got Thanksgiving on Thursday. And nobody works on Friday in the US unless they're absolutely bonkers or they work for NBC or CNBC. But the fact of the matter is we're cramming in masses of data over the next two days. Uh, And then we're in the run up to the holiday season, Christmas. Perhaps you look at the December expiry. Perhaps you look at the UK election as one of the large, last, last uh, events of the year, maybe even a phase one trade deal. But anyway, this is where we stand on the major pairs. We are looking at the UK general election, 129. So we're, again, as Karen and I have battled for years about this now, it seems, in fact, it is years now, 130 acting as ever and an anchor on expectations on whether you think there's going to be progress or not on the election and on Brexit as well. Uh, but I've got to say the election domestically, have a look at the policies of the, uh, the opposition Labour Party and have a look at the, the uh, policies of the Conservatives as well. They're both spending a vast amount of money, but one of them is talking about, dare I say, a lot of policies which could add a few questions to business. So let's leave it like that. Uh, Dolly Yen trading 108.96. Okay, moving on. Asian markets, let's have a look at these. Flood on the Hang Seng. Gains on the ASX 200, 0.8 of 1%. The Nifty 50, there you go, 0.06 of 1% high. Opening calls for European indices. Yeah, mildly positive, I would suggest, at start a trade. Now, the directors, the producers, they've got the show back on track. Yeah. And I think we need to move on. Yeah, let's talk Alibaba then. Shares uh, jumping on their Hong Kong debut, rising almost 7% in the world's largest listing so far this year. The e-commerce giant listed at a price of 176 Hong Kong dollars, raising $11.2 billion for the company. The Chinese business issued 500 million new ordinary shares in the IPO. Emily is in Hong Kong with more on the story for us. Uh, thanks a lot, Jeff. And we are live down at the Hong Kong Stock Exchange uh, as we uh, watched uh, the big newcomer to the market today, the world's biggest IPO this year, Alibaba, landing in Hong Kong. Uh, the shares are jumping more than 7%. It is the most actively traded stock today on the Hong Kong market uh, with $1.4 billion worth of shares changing hands. Uh, we're looking at the share price now, last traded at 188 so that is a close to 7% gain. Uh, the company raised $11.2 billion pre-green shoe. If they do exercise the over-allotment, that'll get bumped up to $12.9 billion. Uh, the company's retail portion uh, of the uh, IPO subscription was highly sought after, something like 42 times subscribed, 200,000 applications going in for Alibaba shares, making it the fourth most sought after IPO here after ICBC, MTR and Link Reit. We got a chance to listen to Daniel Zhang, that is Alibaba's chairman, in the listing ceremony this morning. This is what he had to say. I especially want to thank Hong Kong. 
thank the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. In the past five years, Hong Kong's innovation, capital market reform has allowed for what was a regret five years ago to become a reality, to be able to achieve what we said five years ago, that if conditions allow, we will definitely return to Hong Kong. So Alibaba coming to the Hong Kong market, joining the likes of uh, Xiaomi as well as Meituan Dianping, becoming dual class shares traded in the Hong Kong market. And as you know, uh, the first time that they tried to come to market, 2014, that wasn't possible. Uh, but the reforms now in place uh, do make it possible. Uh, there's been question whether or not to Alibaba will become a member of the Hang Seng Index, but with the dual-class awaited shares, that's not possible just yet. Some reforms from the stock exchange are needed before that can happen. A big list of dignitaries are present for today's listing ceremony, including C.H. Tung, Hong Kong's first chief executive, the financial secretary, Paul Chan, the chairman of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, Laura Cha, and Charles Lee, the chief executive as well. This is what Charles had to say about Alibaba landing in this market. Despite the difficulties, despite the challenges that we are going through here in Hong Kong, I'm also grateful that despite the difficulties and challenges in Hong Kong, we here people in Hong Kong, we people here at the Hong Kong Exchange, and at all the institutions that make this great city work, make this financial center work, they are all tried everything we can and they can to make it ready for Alibaba to come home. And I'm very confident that many other companies similarly situated has been traveling afar, ultimately will come home and we will be here ready for them. And with Alibaba, that puts Hong Kong back at the top of the league tables in terms of IPO funds raised. Uh, Hong Kong, $34 billion. That's according to Refinitiv. A uh, number two would be NASDAQ, uh, followed by the NYSE. So a big day on the Hong Kong market with the shares of Alibaba landing here, making their debut. Again, last traded about $188. Uh, got an intraday high of $189.50. Uh, so not too shabby, a close to 7% gain. Just quickly show you the uh, U.S. ADRs. I should point out that one ADS or ADR translates to eight Hong Kong shares. Uh, so the close of the uh, U.S. trade, 190.45, represents a price of Hong Kong dollar 186.30, if you do the math. So the Hong Kong listed share is currently trading at a premium to their U.S. counterparts. Uh, so we'll see if that premium will last. Uh, but a nice debut for Alibaba, the world's biggest IPO coming to market today. Back to you guys. Yeah, Emily, just to pick up on that, obviously we, we heard Charles Lee allude to some of the problems the territory has experienced of late, and the lazy narrative around this is to say, well, this is a, a validation of uh, Hong Kong's business credentials in spite of the problems. To what extent is that a reality? Is that the way that this Alibaba story is being painted? And if um, the Chinese facial recognition uh, business, uh, Megvi, decides to, to, to come to the Hong Kong market as well, how important will that be in building up ahead of steam on this story? Well, you know what, Jeff, in the, just the last couple of months uh, since we had the uh, protests uh, in Hong Kong, uh, we've had a number of companies that have shelved their IPOs, but then later uh, restart them. Uh, Budweiser, APAC, 
is one. Uh, we've got ESR Cayman, another one. These are big IPOs uh, with uh, lots of funds uh, that were raised. Uh, Budweiser APAC, for their part, was uh, the largest at the time, $5.8 billion raised, uh, and the, the stock was doing well. So these are all uh, a reaffirmation of Hong Kong's status as a financial hub, as a place to raise capital. And uh, Alibaba also is showing just that as well, uh, showing confidence in the market. Uh, as to whether or not MegV will come to market, well, the chatter is is that uh, now they're looking to next year. Uh, 2020 is the time. Uh, the company has been put on the U.S.'s entity list. So some uh, questions raised about uh, the security uh, of uh, using uh, their their products. This is artificial intelligence, uh, facial recognition. Uh, but the company does have intentions to come and list on the Hong Kong market. Uh, we'll have to see what they update with because originally the plan was to list in Hong Kong this year, uh, but it has been pulled and shelved for the time being. And the chatter is that it's going to be happening next year. Uh, whether or not Hong Kong is uh, a, a questionable uh, financial hub, well, uh, the company, or I should say the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, as well as the government, is trying to prove that the business is u- as usual. And uh, with the uh, listing of Alibaba and a pretty decent showing today, a nice uh, eight, close to 8% rally, I think for the time being, we can say that Hong Kong is holding its own and uh, the world's IPO capital and a decent place to raise funds. So that's what today is shown. Back to you guys. Terrific. Emily, thank you for that. Well, let's bring in Hao Hong, Head of Research and Chief Strategist at Bank of Communications International. Good morning to you. Just a simple question here. We've had a bounce on the first day of trade for these shares. Should anybody feel that they need to chase them at these price, at these prices? Well, it is a long-term story. It's, it's a little difficult to speculate, you know, the day-to-day fluctuation in the share price. But then if you look at the execution of the company's strategy, is at the cusp of um, basically penetrating into the lower tier cities in China. Uh, so if you look at the, um, uh, the dispersion of Chinese population within the country, you know, out of um, uh, 1.4 billion uh, Chinese population, only one uh, 100 million or, uh, sorry, 100 to 200 million or so uh, living in the tier t- tier one and two cities, so there's a huge potential uh, of the market that is outside the tier one cities that is traditionally being targeted by many of the companies. And I think you know, um, you know, for the market with such potential, um, you know, it it shows that uh, growth can continue for the years to come. Can I ask you about competition? Because Alibaba clearly had first mover advantage, but there have been a number of other big competitors trying to close the gap and a number of startups as well. What's the moat around Alibaba at this point? Yeah, I, I would say that the company doesn't actually need cash. I mean, if you look at the cash flow statements, uh, the company is generating very strong operating cash flow uh, uh, quarter on quarter. Uh, and also, you know, if, if you look at the uh, short-term debt uh, position on the balance sheet, basically the company is in a net cash position. So it doesn't actually need uh, a lot of cash. And with the cash raised from this IPO, basically the, the company would have like 40 plus billion US dollars uh, in cash reserve. Uh, so it gives the company significant market power in terms of pursuing other uh, business opportunities. For example, now one of the more popular strategies uh, for uh, the Chinese internet firm is to buy out uh, some of the smaller competitors who are very strong in the niche market. You know, for example, some competitors are specialized in 
uh, buying goods overseas and and imported into the Chinese uh, market uh, and so on. So I think you know um, with such strong cash reserve on the balance sheet, uh, it gives uh, Alibaba very strong market power to pursue other strategies. Yeah, look, it's a fascinating story, and, and not least the fact that we have a trade war going on at the same time, which we're going to discuss with you later on as well. Does Alibaba, and you've already graphically um, said this in your copy and on, on air as well, does it concentrate on domestic Chinese expansion, or is there a, a, a big growth story internationally open to the company as well, sir? Yeah, I think um, um, the company is starting to spend, expand overseas. You know, for example, some into some of the Southeast Asian countries, uh, India, Indonesia, just to name a few. You know, but to us, uh, you know, investors in, uh, in this region, I would say that you know, the largest potential for growth is still in China. Uh, and also um, being a sort of a domestic Chinese company uh, or originated from uh, China, it probably have more experience dealing with the domestic customers. And also, you know, just now we mentioned that uh, the lower tier cities uh, in China actually offer a huge potential going forward. I, you know, for example, I'll just give you some, some numbers. Um, you know, for the lower tier cities, for, for the new customers that uh, the company acquired this year, 70% of the new customers is actually coming from the lower tier cities. And also in terms of spending, uh, over uh, the course of three years, um, the lower tier city customers, they actually spend tripled the amount uh, they spend in the first year. So the growth is very strong, and also you know the number is tremendous. Uh, so I would say that the best growth opportunity lies within China. But then beyond the Chinese border, uh, there are other opportunities to pursue. Oh, Hong, uh, thank you very much. We're going to part the conversation there for just a moment, uh, but we will talk to you more about the greater China picture in just a moment. Uh, Head of Research and Chief Strategist, Bank of Communications International, staying with us. Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam, has acknowledged the local election results in which 90 percent of the 452 district council seats went to pro-democracy candidates. The votes were seen as a barometer of opposition to the existing government amid six months of ongoing protests. Lam vowed to do a better job and reiterated her promise to listen to the results. Uh, coming up on the programme this morning, then, top US and Chinese negotiators hold talks over the phone as the two sides look to close a phase one trade deal. We'll update you on the latest on that when we come back. And if you just can't get enough of Sportbox, be sure to tune in to our very own podcast. You can head to cnbc.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to have a listen and download today's episode. Right. If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out the Brave Ones podcast. The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, the Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell says the U.S. central bank remains strongly committed to its 2% inflation target, signaling rates are unlikely to rise anytime soon. Powell said when it comes to inflation, the Fed will not permit a downward drift and that low expectations make it tougher for the central bank to prop up the economy. Great comments. 
very briefly, I know we're going to move on, but but he said that in the minutes last week. We had that, we've had that one, almost move on, you know, it's kind of like, but did the market move on the back of that again? I wonder how many times the market moves on the same story. We've seen it all year. I better move on. Uh, Global trade contracted in September, reversing an upward trend, according to data from the CPB World Trade Monitor. The US and China had the biggest impact on the figures, whilst trade tensions between the two countries also weighed on the global supply chain, Jeffrey. Uh, Top US and Chinese trade negotiators held talks over the phone earlier today, according to the Chinese Commerce Ministry. US Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and Chinese Vice Premier Liu He discussed, quote, resolving core issues in a phase one trade deal. Well, speaking to CNBC, Blackstone CEO Steve Schwartzman expressed his hope that an agreement can be reached soon. Together, these countries represent, depending upon how you calculate it, between 35 and 40 percent of the entire world's economy. These aren't just two random uh, uh, countries. And what happens between them uh, has some major uh, impact. Uh, so, so there's uh, discussions going on uh, regarding uh, trade issues. Uh, hopefully those can be resolved so that markets uh, can be open. Steve Schwartzman, let's bring Hao Hong back into the conversation. He's head of research and chief strategist at the Bank of Communications International. It's tempting to argue that um, in this round of ping pong diplomacy towards a phase one deal, not much has really changed. But the reality is we have had a break in the clouds here, Hao Hong, and the Chinese have talked within the last uh, 24 hours about increasing penalties for IP theft. Do you feel that we are building the foundations to an agreement before the end of the year? Yeah, I think um, we're at a stage where both parties are ready to make concessions to reach a middle ground. And I think um, um, it seems to me that the Chinese negotiators are are making more concessions at this stage. Uh, IP protection has been in discussion since last year. Um, And also, you know, for China's own interest, um, you know, it is a country um, um, that is filing the most number of patent uh, application uh, in recent years. So I think actually China has its own interest to protect you know, in, in this uh, IP protection game. So I wouldn't be surprised to see um, stronger uh, protection for IP uh, within the Chinese market and also uh, the abolishment of uh, some of the uh, industry practice such as you know, forcing uh, technological trans- trans- transfer uh, from some of the U.S. firms who wants to operate in China. So I think, you know, in general, um, the business, uh, the environment for doing business uh, will be uh, turning more friendly for, for U.S. business and for foreign business uh, going forward in China. Do you want to touch on expectations for the type of trade deal we could see around phase one if it happens? Because what has, ha- has transpired on markets, huge directional moves of risk on assets, record after record on Wall Street, for instance, but at the same time, there's been a strong debate that phase one is not going to bring everything that many market participants want, that the, the fight that we've seen between Beijing and Washington may continue for many, many years. So what do we need to see in the first phase of a, of a deal? Does it need to be a rollback of tariffs at this point to create some more market confidence? Mm, I would say that um, the, the market has been anticipating uh, the phase one deal, even though you know the date now seems to be... <laughs> delayed longer and longer. But I think at the end of the day, we, we will have some form of deal. 
um, you know, given the level of discussion here. Um, but having said that, um, I think the market probably would look beyond uh, the phase one deal, uh, looking for uh, the measure to enforce you know, some of the, uh, the negotiation terms going forward, uh, and also how uh, China is going to take uh, on the U.S. tariff if it's not completely rolled back after the phase one deal. Uh, but I think, you know, for the phase one deal, you know, one should expect some suspension, at least some suspension uh, on the U.S. tariff on, on Chinese goods, you know, because uh, the tariff that is coming into effect uh, in December is going to affect both countries substantially. Uh, it's going to affect the U.S. consumers at Christmas as well. So, you know, I think, you know, at, at the minimum, uh, a suspension of those new tariffs uh, should be expected and maybe some uh, rollback on uh, a tariff on some of the key items of Chinese exports to the U.S. as well. And then, the, the, and then increasing commitment from the Chinese side uh, to buy U.S. Uh, products. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.